Hello everybody, welcome to the Scottish Rugby Podcast brought to you by the Scottish Rugby Blog. I am Cammy Black. Joining me this evening, uh, once again, we've got Lisa Martin, former Scotland women's captain. Hello, Lisa. Hi, how you doing? Uh, we will at some point have Craig uh, Manson along with us uh, as well once he's once he's finished training and had his tea. He may, he may join us mid-tea as he often does as well. Can't deny him that. Can't deny him his tea. Um, so um, if you are watching us live, we're on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter and Twitch. If you prefer your podcast in an audio format, you can download us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and anywhere else that you can get podcasts. Um we're going to start with a bit of news before we move on to the um, Six Nations review of the opening weekend. Um, and it, it's a bit of kind of surprising news. I think that, that caught everybody a little bit on the hop. Lisa is that, that Stuart Hogg has announced not just his retirement from international rugby post-World Cup, but rugby full stop. Was that, I mean, did that kind of catch you unawares? Um, I think that the the fact he's retiring from all rugby, I think it's caught, caught me completely unawares. I know that you know, it's it's natural come the end of a World Cup cycle that um you'll you'll get quite a few retirements just because you know another four years looming is is quite hard to kind of get yourself up for especially when you're getting um the grand old ages. But um yeah, I think it was a bit of a massive surprise that you know rugby completely was going to be stopping. But I also completely understand as well that um if your body's not up to it and that you know in yourself, you'd rather call time in your own way rather than get told by doctors or just not get selected by a coach you'd rather go out on a high and you know what's a better way of going out on high than, than calling time at the end of the World Cup yeah and it's I mean I guess the other side of it that we've we've talked about on the podcast in the, in the past and I think a few people have talked about is I mean I, I guess Stuart Hogg really is the first Scottish rugby superstar of the professional era you know and and that that must be weigh quite heavy on, on, on someone as an individual because certainly probably until maybe even the last I guess far, but latter half of his career he, he really kind of was the the standout player and and more recently maybe others have come along to take that burden but that, I mean that must be quite a, a heavy thing to kind of take into you to feel like you're kind of carrying all that weight of expectation on your shoulders every week in week out. Yeah it's massive like you see he's, he's created such a transformation in in the, the the Scottish men's team over the years, and I don't think we're going to really appreciate that until maybe a couple of years down the line that we actually look back and say, actually, you know what, he has done something massive here, and he's created and charted the course that we we're currently on just now. But yeah, I think it is a lot of toll to to be on you, like physically, probably more importantly, mentally as well. Is you know year on year, you know, and you've got these expectations of okay, well, how am I going to better this again this year? How can I keep myself fresh? How can I still keep getting selected when like you see you've got these new guys coming along but yeah I think it, it's it's hard especially when you're in the public eye so openly to try and keep yourself going keep yourself taking over keep yourself motivated when you know we both know that it's never always sunshines and rainbows with um being in the public eye and especially in sport everyone's got their own opinion but it's yeah I, I I know it's quite draining and I know he's kind of struggled with it over the years and kept himself going obviously he said previously almost quite a few years ago and to bring himself back again and then still kick on and still create these moments and still you know make another alliance to it and, and still be one of the first names on the team sheet off the back of that you just applaud it yeah and I guess that you know that it is the kind of the scrutiny and I think 
in but I know I've spoken to my dad in the past and he's always kind of talked about we've, I'm from the borders originally and talked about the kind of scrutiny that the amateur players were under and that you know they could never show their face in the town if they'd had a bad game and that's that's one thing but this is on a massive scale and 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 perhaps I wonder how much Scottish rugby in general was was prepared for for having a personality like that and and perhaps now players maybe that have come along since like Darcy Graham for example have maybe had a bit more support around them in, in terms of how to deal with it I think so yeah because like you say it's still a continually growing environment and you know media and, and that aspect of things is becoming such a bigger part and it's just it's one of those things that's just part of the job now um, and back then you never really got taught you literally just shoved in front of it and just kind of said here just crack on with it and I know we spoke like last week about you want to have get people with personality but then when that personality doesn't, like someone doesn't agree with that personality, then that's where then all the criticism and all the the comments and stuff coming in. And you're a bit kind of like, well, you can't have it both ways. It's either we have someone who's going to show themselves and their true self, or you're going to have someone who's basically just a robot. But I think, again, he's kind of helped and probably supported all these guys coming through. Because he's like, well, here, I've gone through this. I'd recommend this. Or, you know, there to support that if maybe someone does have a bad game, just here, you know what, just don't even bother looking at Twitter, Instagram, whatever, because it's just going to be full of people just absolutely criticising and tearing you down. Yeah. I mean, what what for you kind of sticks in the memory in terms of, I mean, obviously we've, we've still got the World Cup to go. Um, hopefully a few, you know, possibly a, a kind of a chance to kind of up the cap count and, and climb climb uh, above maybe 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 Mossy, I think he, he possibly is within reach in the World Cup. What what for you, though, is kind of the, the memory that sticks out of, of, of Stuart Hogg for you? Um, I'm trying to think. It's probably to be fair. It's probably that first video we saw that that A game, and then mm. coming out of nowhere, just kind of like, where is this? What is this? This is so unlike us. Like, where is this speed been? Where is this like exciting brand of rugby been? I think that, and then obviously a couple of weeks later, then making his debut. I think that's probably got to be up there. Was probably a highlight. Um, and um, yeah, I think probably that to be fair. Um, it was probably just his highlight and just how exciting how different he was to what was the team was currently at the time um, I think it's probably my resounding memory yeah I think I went I was telling, I, I had that thought as well because I remember talking to friends about saying you know I think <laughs> watching the Calcutta Cup the next day saying I don't care what happens in this result we nilled you at Netherdale you know <laughs> and yeah. there was some big there was some big names but I think Ugamonia was playing in that A game that wasn't a yeah it's certain that Saxons team was absolutely stacked with with England and nationals um and a few I think quite a few of the that Scotland team went on to I think Matt Scott played in that game there was quite a few kind of future players that kind of came through in that era and maybe didn't you know didn't didn't reach the same heights as as Hoggy did I think the other one for me was the the intercept against Italy in the length of the pitch try yeah and I, and I was watching the highlights back and I think that that result I think you know was um you know it, it was out of sight by the end of the game but at that point in the game Italy were putting some quite heavy pressure on Scotland to have that gut under the post to go for the intercept and then run the length of the pitch is it you know that that takes some phenomenal vision and skill to do that? Yeah, like he's he's one of those players and people that it's just like he's all or nothing. He's just he's just fearless. Like he'll just go for it. It's like if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Um, and even like you just you just look back and all the stuff. There's so many things you can pick up of like little moments that he's done, and it's easy to obviously look at all the tries and stuff. But it's even just like the little things around it, and just like just this sheer honesty and and openness. I think. 
again should be another one of his highlights because again like you said before he's he was one of the first like superstars of Scottish rugby and for him to be, be like that and speak in that sort of way then made it normal and acceptable for everyone else following him to be like here well if he's speaking about this or talking about this then I can clearly do it too. Yeah and I think I mean one of the one of the more recent ones I think was when he, he talked quite openly about the abuse he'd had around his man bun and just I mean in this even even in the kind of current kind of way social media and the media works to, to kind of take that bold it's still quite a bold step to say hey this bothered me you know and to kind of show that vulnerability and it's not something that a lot of sports stars would do and it's quite a gamble at the time but I think actually actually I think it helped because I think a lot of people that you know I think ourselves included went oh hang on okay maybe you kind of start to say hi whether we kind of like diggy tweet that you think oh that doesn't matter kind of you think well actually no maybe maybe I do think I'm going to rethink how you do things, you know, you kind of have the trolls on one side and then you just have the kind of everyday people comment and just making a, a, a you know, a throwaway remark. And you think it's that's quite a brave thing to do given the, given what he's been through already. Yeah. I think, I mean, we've got the most common stereotype for other players is we're all these like absolute animals who basically don't have a brain cell or whatever. But at the end of the day, we're all still human beings. So yeah, we're well, like, we might think it's only one comment. He's, people are probably hearing this 10, 20, 30 times because people have thought at the same time. So it does build up. And if you're hearing that on like a, a constant basis, it does just grind you down. I mean, like we've had it before. I remember when we were going through a pretty bad, pretty bad slump of results for the national team. I remember having people saying like, you know, why does this program even exist? Get rid of them, give the money to the sevens, give the money to the boys. Like, and you're constantly reading that every, after every game and you're having to then think, well, here, I've got to get myself up again in the next four or five days to go and play another Six Nations match when you've got, you know, Joe Bloggs in the road telling me that apparently I shouldn't be doing anything or I look stupid or whatever. Like, it, it, it's a, it is a lot. But like I said before, we are, sports people are still human beings and we still have feelings and we're still majorly self-conscious, so. Yeah, so how, I mean, how do you manage that? Cause you must have, you must reach points where you think, I just uninstall the app and come off it all together. I know, you know, Hoggy in the past has, has taught, has at various points, I think, had people doing it on his behalf and then done, doing it himself and, and one with the other. But there must be a, I guess there's the parts of it that's enjoyable and reaching out and connecting with people versus, so it must be quite hard to go, I'm just going to shut it all down and, and, and maybe miss the positive aspects of it as well. Yeah, it's a sticky situation because like you say, you want to engage with the audience and however that may be to show, you know, life around a rugby match, life around training and stuff. But when it, it, it does run the risk of then people having comments of saying, well, you know, I don't agree with what you're doing or, what you're doing is rubbish or whatever or just criticizing it's then I mean I went through a phase of during Six Nations I wouldn't even look online I wouldn't look I wouldn't be on Twitter I wouldn't on Instagram I just cut it off completely because I don't want to read about it and you just you even like start cutting the comments out but then you're stopping maybe the one or two three who have something positive to say want to engage with you for the sake of you know people who are just going to be idiots really <laughs> it's easy to say in it uh, how much does the kind of that that seep into a camp then? You know, when you when you're out there, and I know you know appreciate it, it, the the kind of criticism that would be kind of coming your way would be would be kind of maybe like you said about the program, about the team, but I guess the the reporting around it, and and I think you know match reports and kind of analysis does that seep into camp, or is it just kind of that separate? We do our own analysis, we do our own kind of take on it. Um, bits and pieces. Um, I think for the most part we just try and ignore it because we know we hardly know ourselves what we've done well and what we've done wrong. 
um it's sticking in our mind that like you say we do our own analysis on it but if there's something that ignites a bit of a fire then we'll use that so i remember we were due to play wales and broadwood um i think about four or five years ago now um and they put something out in the press being like oh you know we're aiming at scotland to get our winning streak back and blah blah and then she just plastered that on the wall for a team meeting didn't say anything plastered it up and walked out and that was enough so it can be used in a good way but if it's you don't want to kind of find yourself getting so engrossed and ingrained and you know everyone else's viewpoints because you know you're not going to always agree or, or like what gets said yeah I do. I do. I, do I, I. I still don't regret giving uh, the Scotland guys zero out of ten for that England match at Twickenham a few years ago. I still stand by that. My friend. That's my French. That was my French approach to to, to rugby ratings. But we, we revised the rating systems after that, Craig, and we made them fairer and and, and use metrics. Um, hello, Craig. Yeah, Craig Manson's yeah. joining us now. Hi. Good evening. How are you doing? We're just we're just reflecting on on uh, on Hoggy's time in uh, for Scotland just just to open Craig. I mean, have you got a kind of memory that stands out of of Stuart Hogg's time in uh, for Scotland or Glasgow or his career in general? I think just uh, for for me, it's just the um, the sheer presence of the player um, from his first try, his first half that he came on. Um, oh goodness, it was against Wales. Was it Wales? Um, you know, ever ever since then, everybody. You know, I, I guess it uh, sounds terrible thing to say, but being surrounded by a fairly mediocre team, he's shone, and he, and I think he's shown ever since. Whether you know whether he um, whether he's taken pelters, which sometimes weren't justified, and other times were a little bit justified, and then other t- you know, but he's been a an absolute um, stalwart of the team. One of our first real true superstars, I think, um, and uh, he, he will be missed, even though um, we have had our, our our words against him at times um, on here. But um, well, hopefully we've we've also um, given him the credit that he's due as well. You know, yeah. Then Lisa, that that kind of transition from a, a setup where I guess a lot of your days planned for you, and and you you have to be in certain places at certain times of the day. You, told what to eat <laughs> you know you've got your, your various plans how how does that go then kind of the, the shift from you know having that almost kind of very fixed routine in a day to kind of having to maybe have a bit more ownership of that is that is that an easy transition um not massively if I'm honest it's when you go in the morning you're like okay what the hell do I wear because I'm not wearing kit it's a bit like okay I have to actually physically choose an outfit and dress myself it's probably the most difficult thing and it's just making use of all the free time you currently have because like you say your day is usually spent from seven seven till two seven till three is rugby everything else around that is like you know recovery and stuff but it is hard the first initial like couple months is difficult because you're also then the worst bit is when you get removed from a whatsapp group that's the worst bit like you're being removed because you're no longer part of the squad and you're like oh okay i'm not going to get any more of the banter um but i think that it's just seeing everyone still have that buzz and that you know change room banter and stuff like that to then remove yourself out of it it's then like oh how do i how do i still have those friends because i know they're busy all the time so it's just yeah it is massively difficult and even now like still come to terms of what the hell do i do myself and what is my purpose and point in my days it's quite difficult yeah and did, I, I mean how did, did we talked last week about the kind of saras and stuff that, does that stuff help that kind of support you get through your career when when it when it does kind of you, you move on to the next stage yeah, it does massively help because like, so you've already got a little bit of a um, 
basically a work placement already kind of done that in work experience so you know that you know give yourself a couple of weeks off a couple of months off or something you can jump straight into it um and i think having that forward plan and i'm sure he's planned himself all sorted and he's good to go but i think that's that's key as having you know that you've got something to fall back on or something to push yourself into that you can give the same focus you can give the same amount of effort and stuff too so it gives you that routine i think that's as rugby players we thrive on routine because that's been ingrained in us since we've been about seven yeah it'd be interesting to see i know you're still playing a little bit lisa it'd be interesting to see whether or not his brother persuades him to turn up for hoik next season we'll see see how that goes post world cup I, I, I really hope not because we're a muscle household here so if you could not turn up that would be lovely <laughs> <laughs> Um, the other bit of news um, that I wanted to just cover on the podcast, and and Craig, this is good because because we haven't got the uh, we haven't got the Glasgow boys here this week, so you can talk freely. But uh, Jack Dempsey signed a contract extension uh, with Glasgow. Um, I mean, I think you and I were firmly on the fence during the Six Nations that he was, you know, he, certainly I don't think we say he's not a useful player for Scotland, and he obviously got the man of the match against Italy. Um, it's a good signing for Glasgow, I guess. Yeah, I think I think you're looking at Glasgow uh, are are on the up on the up. Obviously, um, I think he's come in at, um, at the right time and has influenced the forward game um, quite dramatically with Glasgow. Um, I, I was um, I, I, it was the, it was the whole fact of the contract extension kind of just added to my usual scepticism of. Um, you know, oh, like how long did you actually sign for? You know, only you're only here for a small amount of time, and then you've been persuaded. The way it was worded was weird because it was like he, he's he's decided to to extend his contract because you know things have went well, and I'm kind of like that didn't really sound like he was fully a hundred percent, you know, coming over here for the re- right reasons. But on the other side of things, don't get me wrong, he had a fabulous Six Nations, and um, and and. Um, uh, I think that what everyone saw in him has obviously um, uh, come to fruition. Um, so uh, you know, good for him, and, if, and and definitely for Glasgow, I think he's going to be a key player for them. You know, and Lisa, I think uh, with Jack Dempsey, he's kind of come into Scotland under the same way that um, it's Katie Matson's qualified for Scotland, and it's that kind of lapsed eligibility rule that you you know you turn up for one nation if you qualify through birth or um, ancestry, you can turn out for a second nation. And I wonder, you know, do you think that, Scott, is it a good idea for, for Scotland to maybe kind of take a similar approach to scouting for talent for the women's team, um, kind of through ancestry? Um, or, or do you think the kind of current way of doing things is is kind of okay? Because there, there definitely has been a deliberate move, certainly in the men's game, to go and cast that net and go and look at you know, you know, roll guys out of bars in New Zealand and 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 look at the kind of the B teams and the dirt trackers to see if there's anyone with a with a muck in the surname. Yeah, no, I think it is probably a good thing that Scotland's women continue to look to that. I mean, we need more depth, we need more competition and positions. So if there is people out there who are Scottish qualified who have maybe you know played for another nation a few years ago or haven't thought about actually you know what grand and granddad are for Paisley or whatever. Um, I think it is good and I think because our playing numbers are significantly less than most of the other six nations, um, five nations, no. um, and I think anything we can do to help push our game, I think we should do. I mean, you look at 
America do it right in terms of they look at completely different sports and their talent transfer is ridiculous. And we should start doing that. And if it means we then start looking at other nations as well, let's start doing that. Let's give people who are, you know, top level players, give them opportunities to play international rugby. And it, I mean, the, you know, it's it's inconceivable that they aren't out there, Craig, as well. I mean, we've, you know, it, perhaps the professional, the women's professional game isn't as um, big across the world as, as the men's is. But, the, the, you know, it's inconceivable that there aren't women now playing at a good level in Australia, New Zealand, even South Africa, who who wouldn't be happy to come across and kind of add some depth to to the Scotland team. And, and you know, we, we've had success with that in the past. Yeah, I, I think um, I think Lisa's right. I think um, we we have to do everything we can to accelerate um, the Scotland women's squads, um, move it forward to to where we 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 hope it's going to be, um, and to where it should be. But uh, also, um, we have to make sure that that doesn't come at the cost of development um, of our of of of. of more given the chance to some of the talent in the Prem um, and also in that one and uh, to come through and to shine, although the, the Scottish features, um, you know, looked pretty good as well um, on the weekend. So, um, you know, yeah, it, there's got to be a good spread between both um, bringing players in and also um, um, playing what we have here as well. Um, but then, you know, the good thing is um, we're not the only ones that do it. There was um, the American prop that went to play for England, was playing for England on the weekend, who, who qualified yeah. the same way. Yeah, Mackenzie Carson from yeah, Canada. I yeah. think she got three three caps for Canada, I think. Um, oh, was it Canada? I was, uh, sorry, I yeah, had it, yeah. I, I, in my mind it was America. So, um, yeah, so she's, she's you know, all the teams are at it, even, even the, the, the perceived best in the world are, are still doing the same, are looking for the same thing as well. So, you know, why not? And and speaking of England then, we, we should turn our attention to the, to the weekend's game. Um, I guess I want to I want to look at things backwards a little bit with this game. I, I'll, I'll start with you, Lisa. How, how important was that last try for Scotland, just from a kind of a confidence boost point of view? How important will that be to them in camp? I think from the last try to the end of the game, so those last four or five minutes was the best Scotland have played um, against England in a while, I would say, and definitely in that game in general. And I think showing that they were able to put England under pressure and put them under strain and score with, I mean, for a Crowley Rowley try, with relative ease, um, will be a massive confidence boost to score into, into this weekend. Um, but it's just, I think the biggest frustration is it took 75 minutes to get there. Um, but we show we are capable of doing it. It's like, what do we need to do to do that from the start? And, and Craig, I mean, the start of the game to, I guess, the first quarter was, was 14-0, and that's that's not a bad scoreline for the first for the first quarter. Defense, so, so defensively, it was it was it was it was a it was a, good, a relatively kind of strong opening. Yeah, um, I'm no. Uh, you, you get the usual hot takes on social media, etc. Um, usually from um, people who who don't know the game as well as a lot of other people do. Um, I. Th- for me, Scotland looked very good, no matter what the score was. Um, I was really, I was happy with defence. Defence looked strong in the first quarter. I think the hands um, were, were 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 looking far better. I think we had we had they they used the ball far more, um, and we we saw it 
I I was always I always worried about the pace of the ball going through the hands and getting out to space, but it was working very very well on the on the weekend, and I, I really liked it. it. It almost, I think, was I said last week. Um, I was looking for that glimmer of the professional contracts coming in and showing us what what's happened. You know what what is that going to give us um, with the Scotland team? And and I think just little things like the the passing was going to hand a lot more, um, and it was it was more accurate. And uh, I was I was really impressed. I was I was happy. And and Lisa, I mean, talking of the defence there, I mean the the speed at which everyone was getting back in the line was a marked, I think for, for me, a kind of a marked visible improvement from, from what we've kind of seen in the past, just from a fitness point of view, um, the organization was there, but I mean, they really made England work for, for a lot of their tries. I mean, even the, you know, I think the, the first mall try England had to really work the mall to get themselves into position. It wasn't a straightforward push and shove over the line. There was a lot of, England at times kind of looked like they were spending a long time trying to figure out what Scotland were almost doing in defence and trying to unpick it. Yeah, I think set-piece in general was a, it was a lot more of a contest. I mean, previously it's been pretty difficult, let's just say, um, to come up against a set-piece you've got there. Um, but again, you've got to look at it as like England also had a lot of new players and a lot of new combinations that like we said earlier about Mackenzie Carson coming in. Um, straight off the bat, straight in, cap, First cap, first start, um, and a lot of different changes there. I think, yeah, defensively there was glimpses of really, really good stuff, but then often at times it just seems like we just sat back and let them attack and like, here, just how have we done us? And they were able to get quick ball, but we saw again at those last five minutes when you started disrupting their rock time, we started actually getting off the line and getting in their faces. England really struggled under that pressure, but I think that's that's the sort of defence that we should be doing from minute one and putting these teams on pressure because we can do that, and then getting lowering the mix, missed tackles as well we can't you can't go into any game let alone an international miss 40 old tackles and expect to get a good result i think yeah. i mean i'll be I'll be massively critical because i'm a critical person but i think those little things that you can work on there will make such a huge difference against a really physical wales team and that's it Craig. i think looking at it, it nothing you saw isn't fixable it's all it's all things like small margins that just need tightening up i mean there were there was i think i can't remember it was a th- fourth possibly the fourth choice one of the tries in the first half there was there was a point at which there was about four Scotland players looking at a ruck just really unsure of where they should be in the defensive line and they organized them to be fair they then got organized themselves really quickly but it's I think you shouldn't have four players standing around the ruck wondering where they should be so but those those are all fixable that's just it's a communication thing it's a speed but the, the you know those things are things that can be worked on and that's you know it, it's not just a case of we were beaten by a better team. It's there are fixable things here that could have made that a tighter contest. Yeah, I think I think where where for for me, I really saw a difference in the two squads, and and I'll explain myself on this because it sounds really generic thing to say. Um, uh, for me, um, I can see where Scotland seems to be seem to be going, and where England are going. England are very much old school. You know they've got some thunderous forwards, um, some very very strong forwards, they really aggressive forwards who want to, you know, they don't just want to beat, get over the game line. They want to take your head off at the same time while they're doing it. Um, and and where 
and so what that translates into your mall, your scrum, etc., seems you know becomes very very powerful. Where Scotland, I can see Scotland working as is, is very much down the same route of um, Gregor Townsend's fastest rugby in the world. They 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 seemed fitter. They looked like they were you know just as we we're talking about at the um, uh, the last um, five minutes there that part, leading up to Chloe Chloe's try. There was some really fantastic um, movement of the ball, some really um, fantastic attacking. You know, they're finding lots and lots of different bits of space. There was everyone was pushing forward. It looked like it was coming together. It looked like it, it looked like England had kind of sat back, and so we 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 were trying to um, what's the word? Um, uh, we were trying to, to um, uh, find our weaknesses. So we kind of played. So it seems to be that Scotland seemed. In my mind, look like they're going to they're going to run the ball ball far far more. They're looking a little bit more dangerous. Um, if we can build up the set piece a little bit more, the line out was good. But if we can build up the set piece a little bit more, build up our defence on our on our mall on a strong mall, I think um, we have abilities to change and and move forward. And I think it's really encouraging for me um, from from what. We've seen before and where we are now, it, it looks really good. And I'm looking forward to the Wales game. I think the Wales game is going to be really quite exciting, I hope. Yeah, we'll, we'll come to Wales in a minute. Lisa, I'm kind of interested in, in your take on this. One of the things that okay, I, I, I agree with Craig is that the opportunities are there in the backs and, and the, the speed, there's you know, the, the skills in terms of the stepping and the, the passing are much more clinical. But you, it's hard to do that from the middle of the pitch um, to make much ground. Is what Scotland didn't seem to do that I think if we go into the kind of Gregor Townsend blueprint or, or what is Scottish rugby's blueprint across all, all the things of this kind of fast running rugby, if Scotland didn't seem to play much territory, there wasn't kind of, you know, there wasn't much of a kicking game. And I wonder if that's a way forward for Scotland is just to kind of put teams under pressure by just the kick chase in the territory more than kind of putting it through hands on the halfway line. Yeah, 100%. Like you don't, the biggest thing is you don't want to be playing too much rugby in that middle third because A, you're expending loads of energy, and B, you're not really anywhere close to the score in anything. Like even if you get a penalty from there, it's very unlikely we're going to be getting three points off the tee. But I th- yeah, I think we need to be adding more of a kicking game to it. We saw that if we put pressure on England at line out time, we can get something back and we're asking them to then play out of their 22, where, you know, we can get more than likely the ball back in a really good position to then attack from, you know, broken field play with that back three we've got. I mean, that's party time to be completely honest. And for a while now, we've had a very, very dangerous back three, but we've just not been able to fully use that and bring out that quality. So it's now, well, how do we do that? Let's have, get a bit of a kicking battle, give get it so it's really unstructured. And we find those mismatches. We find, you know, maybe some, like some of our runners coming back that we can use and, and get through some gaps and, you know, we have the ability to finish off these chances. But yeah, I think a bit more kicking territory and playing a bit closer to the game line. A lot of our stuff is really far back, just inviting pressure onto us. I mean, you saw the way that Holly Aitchison played. She plays really close to the line, just picks passes there and they're breaking tackles. So I think if we can play a little bit closer, I mean, that's what I'd like to see us doing a bit more is actually try to find those little gaps there, little tips on there, get a loose, um, get on like a loose shoulder, offload and we're away. We keep the ball alive. We look really, really dangerous. One of the plays that the play that really stood out for me for Scotland was um, 
Francesca McGee, I think on the on the way, like even in defence, I mean the the third England try, just the the effort to cover the the width of the pitch, and to the her body, she almost kind of held held the England player up over the line with the tackle and the body position, and I think there was a couple of times where her speed in defence and her her kind of awareness was really impressive, and I know it's a, for a first cap, I thought it was a, a phenomenal. A phenomenal debut, and, and as you know, to get that depth, Craig in the back three is is quite exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I agree with you. Her physicality in defence was very, very good, but she's got the performance there to to, and she's hungry for the ball as well. Um, I have to also add in um, when Beth Blacklock came on as well. I thought she performed very, very well. She was she stood out, um, and and it's she's very much what. I like as a centre. I like a, a physical presence, and she 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 did a great job. I was really pleased with what she did as well. So, um, so some really interesting. Um, well, I haven't. I, I, I've I've kind of scanned the team, but I haven't looked into it yet fully de- in depth yet. Um, for for next this weekend, but um, you know, some interesting choices to be made. And and Lisa, who for you kind of stood out in that game? Um, again, similar. I think Beth Blacklock came on and made a real difference. Um, like I say, I think she just gives that physicality. You need, yeah, we had three ball players in the middle, but when you're playing against a strong team, you sometimes need that get out of jail card of here go and just chuck it up so we can actually play something off you. And she just added a little bit, of, a bit of a difference there as well. Um, in terms of up front, um, I'd probably say um, Rach McLaughlin again. She's one of the most annoying little terriers in the world but she just <laughs> but you need that in a seven and I thought she really stepped up when you're going up against Molly Packer who is arguably one of the best sevens that played the game I, in my opinion and to be able to try and, and to be able to hold your own against her I think was huge and just her work rate and even that break she made um again late on in the second half like the girl's rapid absolutely rapid um so get again like I say getting her on a weak shoulder breaking a line I mean, she's waving you scoring a try from there. But yeah, she those two both both really impressed me. Yeah. Um, looking ahead to the Wales game then, uh, Craig, I, I'll save you a job. And, and Brian Easton saved you a job because he's named an unchanged side on the uh, yeah, 150 yeah, under I've the bench. So that saves you don't have to, yeah, I was going to say, you don't have to, you don't have to kind of uh, revise it. It's the same team. I mean, I, I guess there's, there's two schools of thoughts, isn't there, uh, Lisa, that one is you kind of, Try something different, but it's Wales are a a different team to to England, and get. I mean, may, you know, there is an argument there to have that consistency and, and give everybody another run out. Yeah, I think there is given an opportunity to kind of show themselves, but um, you've also got to look at like like both of us said. I think Beth's really unlucky to not have a start. To be completely honest, she she really made a difference. You know, that line from inside the twenty two making that line break. And just her, her passing ability, just her, I think it's just her sheer physicality, I think is going to be good against someone like Karen Lake, who is very much a north-south, I will just run straight at you. Um, I think it'd be good to kind of counter that there. Um, and again, like, I think, could we have done something else? Again, I'm going to talk about back because I have hee-haw idea about the forwards, to be completely honest. So I'll leave that to you, Craig. Um, I, I'd... I'd love in my I, in my wildest dreams. I would love to see Helen Nelson at twelve. She, in my opinion, is one of the best twelves, if not the best twelve Scotland has. But it's then a case of who do we have at ten? If Sarah Law is still injured, 
we we can't then you know know how to stand. But yeah, I, I'd love if we could get Helen Nelson running at twelve because the girl's ridiculous at twelve. Mm. She's just got such a lovely, just slalom through people, makes it look easy. Again, you've got a bit further out. Um, yeah, that would be in an ideal world. That would be my dream. <laughs> and 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 Craig, when you look at the Wales game at the weekend. And and the way that they, you know, played against Ireland, it, it's tempting on the one hand to kind of go, oof, this is going to be a, a, a you know, and it, and it is, it's going to be a really tough job for Scotland at the weekend. But I guess it's a, you know, it's a home game and there's an opportunity there too. Yeah, very much so. Um, we, we've we've got to we've got some payback from last year. Um, uh, you know, we, we it'd be it's good to have a home game and to have. Not only have we got a, a squad that that has gone up against Wales last year and proven themselves an ability to br- not break down Wales, um, but we've also got those added little sprinkle of extras of of some some about a fantastic back three, Beth to come in and in the centres that could we can we can make a difference when uh, off the bench as well. Where I I'm concerned is Wales seem to be able to they've they've got a really physical pack um and they can if they want to they can grind down or grind out a win if if they need to um and so if we can continue to if we bring that last 5 minutes of of the England game to the Wales game and run try and just as 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 Lisa was saying look for the soft shoulders try and you know we've got a um, a plastic. Oh, mind you, we played on a plastic pitch down at um, down at Cardiff last year, but you know, really used the ball against them. Then I think uh, we hopefully we can finish a little bit better because we've got that we've got the accuracy uh, coming through, um, and and hopefully we can score some tries. Um, yeah, I'm, I I am really excited about it. Unfortunately, I'm going to be driving back up the road from the Leicester game, so uh, I'm not going to. I'll, I'll I'll be recording it so I can have a good a good watch, and I'll be la 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 la. I keep my fingers in the ears so I don't know about it. You know, not look on social media. And and is that the key, Lisa? Not this weekend for Scotland, not not to kind of get sucked into that game that Wales can play of kind of grinding out the win and 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 kind of just focus on 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 their own game and and try kind of get it through the hands. Yeah, I think we should be playing a really quick game. To be honest, um, I think they're very physical. They love an arm wrestle. They will. I mean, two Pelosi will see the ball and everything. She will be in the midfield off a line out. She will be carrying hard. That that is their game. Is playing off big runners which I think if we can play quick rugby so we can get like two second rucks and just keep moving the ball keep moving the ball these girls will tire and we will find weaknesses in there I think again go back to I think our back three is better man on man in in relation to Wales we've got pace whereas I think that's maybe something Wales Wales can elect to be still in play Ireland but they're just two physical wingers but I think yeah if we can play quick a quick brand of rugby so we don't let their strong carrier settle I think we're going to get a real real currency there and how much difference does it make these kind of you know obviously the crowds are um the crowds at the women's internationals have been slowly grown over the the last few years and and you know having the dam as a a home the kind of like a home stadium now how, how much of a difference does that make to you as a player on on the pitch having that crowd noise there Oh, it makes a massive difference, especially when it's getting at the tough moments or 
you know you do a little thing well just hearing that little buzz start gives you like a little it, it, like i'm just keep moving and keep going especially like those last like couple minutes and you're absolutely blowing um and to finally have somewhere that you can we can just call our own i think it's huge i mean for a while we literally were like oh we'll take the game around scotland so we never had a home ground so every time it's like well we're the away team again actually having this home get a base get a base of fans who are going to come in and come down is huge and yeah it makes a massive massive difference having just those voices and just that music and stuff just really does kick you on an extra little gear and and craig i know we've been i know we've been harsh about the dam on this podcast before but you have you have all been harsh about the dam we we sorry we not you craig you yes yeah not you craig but as a stadium that that proximity to the pitch for an opposition side must be really difficult because a lot of stadiums now you've got you've got a kind of you know running track or there's a bit of space between the kind of stands but to kind of have almost the crowd i must feel like the crowd's on the pitch with them at times yeah, I obviously I can only talk about it um, being a Lothian stand regular, and 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 we're so close to the action. You can hear the the hits going in. You can hear you can hear them. You can hear the players calling for the ball. You can hear the calls. Um, it's really, for for me being a coach. It's really interesting to be there to watch the warm up as well. Uh, it's it's what what I like about it, and whether no matter what anyone says about the dam and the stand and being a tent and all that garbage. Um, it's at the, the home of Scottish rugby. It's got great transport links. It allows um, the people who want to come and play, uh, watch rugby, get to a game easily. Um, and and if we can take as many of those um, uh, uh, hurdles out of the way, not and also the Scotland teams getting better and better and showing progression, you're going to get more and more people coming to watch Scotland play. And I think that's one of the, the one great thing about the dam is A, the, the proximity of the players to the to the to the um to the fans, the ability to get there. And also just as Lisa said, somewhere to call home. Um and somewhere to, to say this is this is our this is where we play. And you, you're always then saying we've got home advantage when we play a home game. Um so you don't you can't you can't you you cannot 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 discount home advantage as a good thing as a as a bad thing it's a great thing to have and and how does it feel on kind of match day lisa that having having that kind of a home versus an away fixture i guess kind of getting to the stadium and all of that does it does that familiarity help does it kind of take the the nerves down a couple of notches or or does it not matter does it not matter one way or the other whether which changing room you're in I think it does help a little bit. It's just like you said, it's familiarity. It's one less thing to worry about because you know, I know exactly where I'm going. I know exactly where the change rooms are. I know exactly where my little spot in the change room is as well. And it's just, it's one less thing that you have to concern yourself about. You can get in and you're in the zone. Whatever, however people, you know, get themselves game ready, it means you can do that straight from the off rather than, like I said before, figuring out, okay, well, where the hell's my jersey? Okay, where is this change room? Is someone else going to be someone here to show us where we're going? Um, and you know, okay, well, I know I'm going to have this walk out to the pitch, and you're prepared for it. But yeah, I think it's it, it does really really help on a game day to have that, and especially for doing training there during the week as well. Because I know a lot like the Scotland base girls, they'll be doing their sessions on the pitch at the dam. So again, 
they know they know it from a kicking point of view. You know exactly how the wind's usually going to be. You know, oh well, if, you know, if it's going to be a, a, what distance is it like as well. Um, so also we know most pitches are very different. So we know the dam. Okay, well here I know I can get middle of the park. I know I can ping it down to here. Whereas elsewhere, you're kind of sometimes hitting and hoping it's you know you've got the distance and the angles right. I'd hope it wasn't like the uh, pitches I used to play on where you'd, you'd know your home pitch because you knew where the de- where, where the big dints were in the ground and which bits not to... You would get a bad bounce and which bits wouldn't you? Um, <laughs> how, what, did you have a match day routine then, Lise? Did you have a kind of way, way a, a kind of a, a playlist and a, a routine um, you went through? Maybe not a playlist. I think I just listened to whatever I kind of felt like at the time. There's been a couple of songs I'd listened to just before going out just to kind of get a bit of a buzz going and kind of get the adrenaline going but other than that it was just try to get out like 10 minutes early and just do um a couple of kicks in the middle go left go right one from about 40 50 out and then just get going other than that it, i tried to keep it as relaxed as possible so if i had like loads of little routines or little superstitions if one thing didn't go right i was i would completely throw me so i was just kind of like just just go enjoy it and just do what feels right um i think it's kind of how i did it as much as possible and there was a couple of girls that would read certain passages from a book just before they went out or you know left foot on before the right foot or whatever but I was very much as long as I had you know a certain sports bra and a certain pair of shorts that was probably as superstitious as I got to be honest what what's what was you what were the songs that got you up for match day then um kind of changed most like season on season I think last one was oh god what was it it's been such a long time actually um it was i think it was panic at the disco was for a while was one of the ones that i'd listened to um and then i think at one point i was listening to timmy trumpets which was really not a great one um if i'm being completely and utterly honest um and then it's just kind of yeah it just kind of depends if i listened to something on the radio and i was like actually that'd be quite good pre-match i'd just chuck it on yeah um but yeah kind of between those those kind of two the last last few i'd listened to yeah, Vig, I'm in, I'm, I was interested to see whether Craig, Craig, do you know, have you heard of Panic at the Disco? I've heard of Panic at the Disco. Um, uh, Timmy Trumpet, no, I have no idea. But um, Cammy, Cammy, Lisa Cammy constantly rips me about my music, and, and also Johnny McGinty constantly rips me about my, my, my inability to be um, up to date. But I'm quite, I'm, I'm, going, I'm going to take that badge and I'm going to wear that badge. I'm happy, proud to be of a, it. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to be an old fart. I was going to say that. <laughs> See, I think I think if you if you kind of like scratch beneath the surface of me and Johnny McGinty's uh, music taste, like anything post two thousand and three would be absolutely lost anyway. So, yeah. <laughs> <Probably>. <laughs> um, I think we've I think we've covered anything. Any kind of final word on the the Wales game, Craig? I'll start with your kind of predictions for a result. Oh, I, I, I'm I think it's going to be a Scotland win. Um, I think Scotland by four. Scotland by four, Lisa. Um, I'd say Scotland by two, depending on the weather. If it's bucketing down, I think that's Wales will have it. Um, but if it's nice dry weather, I think Scotland could could really do some damage. So yeah, ideally Scotland by two. Okay, well, 
We'll be back next week to find out and, and to, to analyse that game. Um, for the moment, it is good. Uh, that's it for this week for the main podcast. Um, Craig and I will have a have a wee bit of a chin wag, no doubt, for another thirty minutes or so for the patrons. And Lisa, you, you're welcome to join us if if you if you don't need to get off. But if you if you do that, you we'll we'll see you again. Uh, for the moment, though, it's goodbye from me and goodbye from Craig and Lisa. Bye. Bye. See ya.